Asia Tech Podcast with Graham Brown and Michael Waits. Hi, this is Michael Waits from ATP Angels, and today we're actually going to start something new, and we're going to start with someone we know, actually. We're going to start with Ned Phillips. Ned is the co-founder, founder, and CEO of Bamboo. Bamboo is one of the most prominent and one of the fastest-growing robo-advisors in Asia, in the world, hard to say. Anyway, Ned, welcome back, actually. Hey, Michael, thank you so much. It was, uh, it was fun to chat with you and Graham last time. And uh, wow, if, uh, if, if, if people are thinking that we're a prominent, I, I would be happy if we're prominent in Singapore, but now you're calling us prominent in the world. That's, hey, I'm uh, doing the best I can. Cool. Hey, you, you can have a job here anytime. <laughs> I'm not even in a marketing department. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting. I was doing some work actually before we got on the call and I was thinking, you know, I was trying to remember when it was the last time we spoke. It wasn't that long ago, six weeks maybe? August 16th, yeah. I believe, was the That's last right. time. That's right. And I don't even think on the last call we had, you hinted that you had some really good news brewing, but some things have changed actually since the last time we spoke, yeah? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. So we had that call, and I knew that the next day, we were well, actually two days later, we were making an announcement of Franklin Templeton invested uh, in us. But, you know, as with all these things, you know, we were working with their uh, PR and marketing department to make sure the messaging was correct, which is obviously extremely important. So absolutely, we, uh, uh, you were asking me how things going, and obviously I had this little desire inside to <laughs> scream, absolutely awesome. Uh, but uh, as we know. Uh, I uh, liked it, though. I smiled, actually, when the news came out. And it wasn't just – so Templeton actually is a big deal, right, because – that's actually part of your whole goal is to get firms like Templeton not just like on board as investors, but as users as well. And this must be a multifaceted relationship for you, right? Yeah, look, I really appreciate that. And obviously, the thing we've learned as a startup is that, you know, there's lots of startups, but as a big bank, it's hard to be the first. Yeah. But if you're the second, third, fourth, and the people that are working with you, so now we have Standard Chartered, Thomson Reuters, Franklin as an investor, it obviously gives people the ability to have a little bit more, okay, Peace of mind, these guys must know what they're doing, that they're working with some of the bigger people in the industry. And, you know, for Franklin, you know, the asset management industry is changing. And you know, it's it's wonderful for us to be able to work with such a great organization like Franklin. And for them, you know, to be able to give them a really good look into how the digital world is changing. And, yeah, look, hopefully it will be a great uh, relationship for both of us. And so far it really has been. Yeah. And look, this is the exact way. This is the classic way that these relationships, at least in my mind, right? And this is me talking, not you. But this is, in my mind, the classic way that these relationships should evolve over time, right? In the sense that, you know, big companies, whether it's Franklin Templeton or some other company like them, looks around and says, the landscape is changing. And the people that are changing it the best and the fastest is most appealing to us is this team. And that's Bamboo, right? You're going to get a lot of this. We, you know, we talked about this last time. The sales cycle to get people on board is long. But boy, it's like the third sale it's probably easier in relative terms than the first one, then the fourth one, and then the fifth one. And then it just starts becoming overwhelming. And I feel like you guys are reaching that point. And just my opinion as an outsider. But, boy, congratulations on that. It's really great stuff. Thank you, Michael. I, I, I appreciate that. And uh, the, the sales cycle is getting – the one metric that I'm tracking right now is from – you know, the, how, how do we get a client on board and how long does it take? And right. for my very first call a year and a half ago, you know, it's six, nine months. Now it's getting shorter and quicker because I think we step through all of the, is this company real? Are they going to be yeah. here? Have yeah. they done stuff? And look, thank you. Yes, because we're now at uh, six clients and well, about to be seven and some more that maybe the next time we talk, I'll be able to tell you a little bit more about <laughs> it. 
doing as well. We try to keep that positive news flow going. I'm and, sure uh, you do. There's a few more things in the pot as well. But, uh, yeah, so far we've had a really, you know, lucky in time and we've obviously worked hard to get there. And, uh, yeah, it's been fun. That's for sure. Good stuff. Anyway, that's really good. Look, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about um, something new to our show, and that is angel investing. Yep. It's probably something like there are multiple ways we can talk about this, right? So did you have... Did you have angel investors for your company when you first started? Yes, we did. So we started with uh, angels, so guys from the, primarily from the finance profession uh, who were looking to be – I think fintech is such an interesting industry uh, at the moment. And I think a lot of people in finance recognize that. But for a lot of people, it, it doesn't mean they can quit their jobs and suddenly start in fintech. So like a lot of people in finance, they want to be part of that trade and part of that going forward. And so a lot of them look for a fintech company to back. And yeah, we were lucky enough to have some of those guys as angels come on board. So when you did that sort of first investment round, for lack of a better term, I really want to get into detail here because this, sure. is, this is very interesting to me, right? Did you think of them as angels at the time? In other words, was that a concept or a word phraseology that was in your mind? And if it was, like, how do you define that? Like, what, what differentiates an angel from sort of a seed investor? I have my own ideas, but I'm curious how you think about that. It's, it's a really good point. And I should say, in all disclosure, a, a few years before I started doing Bamboo, I was an angel myself in that I backed about seven different companies as an angel, and I describe myself as an angel, and, and again, this might not be the right terminology, I see as an angel is somebody, when they meet the, the founder, they either know or they don't. And what they're doing is taking an instinctive gut bet on either that person, a little bit that industry, but they, for, for, for better or for worse, they're not doing it in a process. So a VC has a process. This ticket side, this due diligence, these terms, they think about things like, you know, uh, tag along, drag along, all these different things. An angel is somebody who comes along and really would take almost a snap. We like this, we don't. The amount we're putting in is pretty binary. We're not looking for a 3x, 5x. It's either going to be a, a big win or a zero. <laughs> and we do it because it's emotional. We like the person. We haven't done much of this before. <laughs> and uh, they go with their gut. That would be my description of an angel. I don't. I mean, everyone's got something different. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on on how an angel would be described as well. Yeah, I think as we sort of develop this conversation, I'll be I'll sort of parse out my feelings on this. Sure. But I think you're right. I think you kind of if you're an angel investor, and I won't ask how much you invested in each company, but I can pretty much guess it's probably somewhere between twenty five and fifty thousand dollars. That would be standard for an angel investment. I think anywhere in the world, right? But I think you're right. You meet the person, it's highly likely that you may have known that person actually prior, and you're just like, you know, Lisa, I love her, she's great, she's going to succeed. If she doesn't succeed, the money I'm investing is de minimis to me. Correct. And if I'm willing to lose it, if I'm willing to sort of write it down to zero from day one, it's not that I want it to go to zero, but my expectation is that this is a very risky investment. It's the riskiest investment I'm probably going to make at any stage of an investment cycle. And if that's the case, I believe in her. And I'm just going to go ahead and do this. I guess the other question is, when you were doing it originally, I guess you were still had your old job. Is that right? Actually, at the time, I was doing a bit of a, what's called fintech consultancy, which really means hadn't really got a job trying to work out what to do. And hopefully some people will pay me for my hourly rate, which uh, is harder than it seems. Yeah, um, much. I think, I think your point is you're right. 
I actually, I nearly invested in the guy who had the best idea ever. And I think I frightened him because I offered him, as you say, $50,000. And he said, but what, he was a very young guy. He said, what happens if I lose your money? And I said to him, I expect you to lose my money. Right. <laughs> and he totally freaked out. And he really? was like, yeah, but he was like, but no, no, that's not investing. And I think in Angel, of course, I don't expect him. It was a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Uh, uh, tongue tongue yeah. But the reality is, is that most angels lose their money. We know that, right? And they're spurred on by the wonderful, beautiful stories of 100x return, where it is. And, you know, I, I, I would say that, you know, I wasn't working at the time. Yes, the money I put in didn't – it's not that it didn't matter. Money matters, Absolutely. I don't think any angel is putting money into one startup and believing that's their thing. No, it's not. It's not red number seven. It's nobody does it's that. Not. Nobody expects no. that, right? No, no. I mean, well, maybe I, there are some people doing that, but I don't think that's a long-term strategy. Right, but again, that's not <laughs> investing. That's gambling, and I'm not talking about angel Correct. gambling, right? And I think you would make the difference as well. And so when you when you did that, this is the other thing I want to know. Did you invest alone? Did you invest in a syndicate group? Did you try to get other people that you knew involved and try to help the other person raise? Or were you like, I'm going to angel this thing and just see how it goes? You did seven of these. So yep. I'm curious if you did seven of them alone. Did you include other people that you knew? Like how was how did that work? <laughs> so I had a uh, – not certainly not gambling, but I, I, I had one – so six of them uh, were – well, actually, uh, five of them were by myself. One that I was very late stage. It was a big company, and I just put the money in because it was already – you know, that was not Angel. That was kind of part of a series A round. I put more in. That's something different. Got it. For, for the five, my only criteria was I must be first, and I must be alone. Oh, uh, really? Why? That's interesting. So you didn't want to sort of disintermediate risk by having other people help you de-risk the whole thing. You were like, I'm in. I'm in alone. For five of them, because what I saw was these are, you know, based on the idea that if you can find something that if you can see a little bit of something in somebody that no one else wants, you get real value. Um, and and it wasn't so much. I, yeah, I mean, most of them I was alone because I learned something else. Right. Uh, it is hard to find people who have exactly the same investment philosophy as you. Sure. So and, and for me, I'm on angel investing. So separate from bamboo. I'm super gut feeling. I meet a person. So my quickest investment, I invested in this digital company in Yangon. Uh, he was a student. He was 21. And I, when I, he's actually been on your podcast. He's been on Graham Brown's podcast. Uh, his name's Yi Miat Min. Wow. From Nex. It's, it's a digital agency in Burma. I met him. And when he was 21, and he said, I want to build a digital agency in Myanmar. I'm like, that's great. And I'm, I, I really like Myanmar as a destination. Yep. He said, I've been kind of building apps for people since I was 12. I'm like, okay. okay. I'm, in. I'm in. And he's like, I did it in Yangon. I'm like, there was no internet in Yangon. He's like, I found it. I'm like, yeah, we're done here. I'm good. <laughs> I'm, so I really try to find people who, you know, it's, you know, as you say, 25 to 50 grand, small amounts, super early people who I really believe in. And it doesn't always work. Look, there's been, you know, luckily next for me, they now have almost a hundred people from one with the biggest digital agency in Myanmar. And that's, that's been a winner. Of course, there's been other ones that have not been. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's get to those in a bit too. But so the other question is, why did you start? In other words, clearly you were between jobs. You probably left your other job. Maybe you just had enough of sort of the financial services industry as it was at the time. I know I was in a similar position, but what was it about sort of angel investing that drew you in that made you think I actually 
want to go and do this thing that I've maybe read about or heard about or seen other people do? Because it's not normal, right? I mean, everyone doesn't do it. <laughs> it's honestly, Michael, it's a great, great. I love your thing. It's not normal. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> It's just not, though. I mean, it's, maybe it should be. We can talk about that, too. But, wh- like, why? You're sitting around at home. You're thinking, I have some excess capital. You know, I already have some mutual funds. Maybe I have some fixed income securities. Maybe I own some real estate. I want to make a, an allocation into angel investing, the riskiest investments I'm going to make. Why did? Why were you thinking that? Uh, yeah, just to be completely honest with you, there's two. One that's a little strange and one that's just, just as it is. The one that as it is is, I think emotionally, I really like investing in people. I'm a people person. Yeah. I love people. And yes, I can put my stocks into a fixed income bond, but man, it just doesn't excite me. And when you meet these people and you really believe, for me, it was the ability to interact with people. I love that. And, and the fact that my money helped them and then I could be part of it, fantastic. Now, of course, it's not always as glorious and rosy and it doesn't always work. The other way is... I know this sounds a bit crazy, but I used to sit on airplanes and watch Dragon's Den and Shark Tank on the TV on the plane. Fair enough. And I really liked the show. And I was like, you know, like, I think we talked about Iron Man with Graham, with, with yep. Graham, and yep. like, midlife crisis. I can do that. Reality is I'm not that great at it, but still, never stopped me. But you um, did, but let's be fair, though. You did do that. I mean, and, and that was actually quite impressive. So it, it is one of those things where you say, I can do that. And then you actually went out and did it, right? Yep. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah, I went out and basically just said, look, I'm willing to do this. I'm going to put money. I asked different people. I invested in – and I only invested in two themes. And I asked my – I got the two themes from my 17-year-old daughter. I asked her what did she think the future would be, and she said, A, tech, so no surprise there. And she said, and of course, the whole world's going to implode from environmental global warming. So how about, Dad, you invest in environment and tech? So it's the only two things I invested in, environment and tech. Did she know what, what the context of the question was? Like, was yes, she aware yes, that, you know, her, yes. her college fund was going to be <laughs> invested? In- actually, actually, some of her college fund is in this next, in my firm in Yangon. Good for her. Now she can go where, <laughs> now she, can go where she wants. Correct. <laughs> so how, so now that you've made this decision to go into angel investing, right, and you put money into six, you know, the seventh one you said wasn't really sure. angel, but it was still individual was. investing. But let's just call it six. You put money into six companies. Yeah. Um, you know, like, are you involved in all of them on an ongoing basis? Like, how does how does that work? Or do you because six is a lot actually for any individual, particularly at the same stage of investing, right? So, are you still involved? And how did you find each one of them? You know, we call it deal sourcing if you really want to get technical. But how did you deal source all of them, or was it just kind of coincidental? So. What I've learned is that uh, I'm not involved in all of them to the same degree. So, of course, I speak with all of them. And oddly enough, the one that I'm involved in the most is the one that so far, not because it's just me, but you put the most attention to, has had the best potential so far. Somebody told me a really good story. They told me that, you know, sometimes he used to do a lot of angel investment. And then when they didn't look good, he just put them in the drawer and closed it. And then one day he opened the drawer and it smelled bad. And he said his, his advice was just because if it doesn't look good, don't put it in the drawer and forget about it. So we, I do talk with everybody, some more, some less. The environmental ones I don't know too much about. I have a little bag company uh, uh, where I, you know, it, they're actually in Bali. I used to live in Bali, this type of stuff. So I do try to get involved. Obviously, it's a lot less now with bamboo because when I wasn't working so much, I had more time to get on the phone and yep. talk. With bamboo, you know, I'm. I'm the founder now, and this is, you know, 24 hours a day, 
And so for pretty much all of them, I haven't made an angel investment for maybe three or four years now. So most of them are either working, not working, later stage, growing, so needs less of my time. Um, and, how, and how did I find them? Yeah. It's all, it's all, once, I'd done, once I'd done one, they all come flooding in. What does that mean, though? So you, and was Next your first one? So the one in Myanmar was your first one? Um, no. Oh, my God. I put some money into a triathlon magazine. I should never have done that. My wife's like, you're just doing that because you like triathlon. Don't do that. And she was right. So that was my first. <laughs> that one disappeared pretty quick. Um, afterwards, yeah, Next was first, then uh, two tech companies, two environmental companies. Yes, Next was my first one. And, and, and so you said after you've made that first investment, you just get known as, as an angel investor. And does it change the way people perceive you? Like, did you go to tech events as well? I mean, I've been to Echelon. I've been to the Tech in Asia events, right? There, and all the other stuff. And when you walk in, if people know that you've invested in really early stage companies, I really get the sense that the entrepreneurs can sort of find that out and they start coming over to you. Do you had you been seeing that actually prior to the founding of Bamboo? Oh, I mean, Michael, honestly, I would lie if I didn't say that that little ego as you walk into one of those places and all of the, not all of the eyes, because I'm, you know, at the time I was giving 50 grand, 100 grand to people. It's a lot of money, though. But people put an eye on you because you're a guy who they know. It does create a different feeling. And it's weird. And people know. I mean, yes, I went to some tech events. And, you know, Michael, you turn up at these and you get a badge. And the badge says investor. Investor. Yeah. And, just by that, you, you know, you've done it, Michael. You walk around, and if it says founder, the other founder, like, just doesn't, you know. <laughs> yeah, they ignore care. you. They trip you. I know. And <laughs> then it's like, oh, you're an investor? No. And now it's interesting. I'm a founder now. And we, you know, we're lucky at Bamboo that we have really good interest. We have backers. We've gone through that. And, you know, so, so, so we've kind of moved on. But, you know, honestly, Michael, you go to one event and have an investor badge around your neck. They'll find you. Yeah, and did you did you also get the sense then? Because I I find this sometimes like other angel investors actually want to talk to individual investors yes. too to kind of just build a community around themselves of what are your best practices? What did you learn? What am I doing wrong? What should I know? And and I think to the extent that the investment community out here is still young and growing quickly, yep. do you see that too? And even now, right? Even if you're not actively investing every day now. You're still running an investment company, right? So you must run into people with a sort of angel mentality. Do you get the sense that people really don't want to invest alone, even if they want to put their money in a loan, but they want to create sort of a virtual investment committee to help them with their thought process? You know, the biggest people are super scared of getting it wrong. I actually think people, the reason people don't angel invest is they're more scared of getting it wrong than right. So it is really hard to pull the trigger, right? Get that 50K, put it across to a bank account of someone else. And I do think crowd mentality really helps. I, there's no doubt about that. Um, of course, it, it has one huge benefit that you're going in with other people. So the one other company that I did go in together with was a, a bag company. They're kind of environmental and tech bags. Unbelievably, I found a company that had both environment and tech. And I went in with one guy who was head of an advertising agency, or so a specialist branding guy, mm -hmm. and another guy who was a uh, who knew a huge amount about kind of data analytics and retail. And I went in with them because I know nothing about backpacks. I know nothing about it. Oh. And I found them, and they were like, yeah, this company is great. Like, this company is really good. And he, I met him, and I just really liked him as a person. But that was the one whereby I really sensed I want people around me 
because I don't know this industry. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing just because I like this guy. So I think that's what you find. People have different criteria for why you would want to be with other angels. Some people are just scared of getting it wrong. Some people want to say, look, I don't know this industry. Some, you know, maybe the, the, the angel or the founder needs 300 grand, so we need six guys at 50, whichever. So overall, yes, angels stick together is what I've seen. Yeah, and I've seen the same thing too. And I think the, the faster that this ecosystem is growing, and not just in Thailand, but in the whole region, I think the more likely is that people are going to get together on even a more regular basis, right? You said earlier, you know, angels tend not to have a process. Oh, definitely not. And, and I wanted to come back to it because I do think you're right. I remember the first angel investment I made. God, it was so long ago. Um, but even the second one, which was in Thailand, it didn't take me that long to decide. I lost all that money, by the way. Um, <laughs> we all do. Yeah, and, and as you said, it didn't take that long. But boy, it was a massive learning experience for me. But what it actually also helped me do was it helped me create a community around my investments. And the other ones actually ended up being much better because... Right. I now had a group of people around me that either A, lost with me, won with me, or were just there with me. And it was great to be able to lean on them and to say, what do you think about this one? What did we learn in the last one? You know, there were places where I invested where, you know, the management team was paying themselves way too much money. Sure. And to me, that's a red flag. And it always will be because, you know, you want everybody's um, interest to be aligned. And it was really unaligned. They were like, yeah, I'm getting paid, you know. X thousand dollars a month. I, I'm trying as hard as I can, but if it fails, I, I kind of don't care. Anyway, I just think that that issue of community around angel investing is actually going to be really good and continue to happen over time. It, which brings it really me to, is. Sorry, go ahead. No, go on. No, I, I, I totally agree on that, for sure. So, but I, and I wonder, because you said earlier you mostly invest alone, but when people come to you and ask you about angel investments, do you... Do you tell them or do you advise them that they should invest alone? And what do you think about syndicates? And I'll, I'll tell you why I'm asking. I look at a cap table, right? And this is a l little bit of a technical question, but one which you should probably understand really well. Right? I look at a cap table and I want to see how complicated it is. I don't, I don't necessarily want to see a cap table, even in an early stage with 15 people on it, each put in $4,000 or each put in $5,000. Because sure. as, And the reason why I think is because, as you said, I don't know if my philosophy around that company or building that company or just building any company is going to be the same. And the more people that are investing at the earlier stage, it's just the more difficult it's going to be to manage it. And what I've thought over time is that if you consolidate all those people into a syndicate, so now there's one entity investing in, first of all, the cap table looks cleaner. But then second of all, you're managing everybody else's expectations kind of outside the company's realm. Yep. Right. So you can argue inside the syndicate and then go with one vote into the company. It just seems yep. cleaner to me. I'm wondering what your opinion is on that. 100%. I mean, think, so if you're getting down into the 5,000s, 10,000s type of angel, absolutely it has to be a syndicate. I, I couldn't agree more because you're right. If you turn up – so you know, we had four or five angels in our first round, uh, and what we found was that – you know, so you know more in the hundred grand, hundred thousand dollar. Yep. This might sound a little harsh, but generally people who put a hundred in have a little bit more savvy around expectations, investment. These were all guys from finance. You know, it's as much work for a company to deal with a ten thousand dollar investor as it is a hundred thousand dollar investor. Indeed, sometimes as a ten million dollar investor. Yeah. I think for the company's sake, if they were dealing with say twenty ten thousand dollar investors. It takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort. And I think if that was one syndicate, 
So, for example, there's a there's a group here called Bansi in Singapore, yep. which, which which goes through that and does that. So I, I really agree. I I think it's super challenging for a company to when it gets down to that almost. I hate to say micro angel level. It is though. I mean, and again, it's not dis- it's it's not mean to say that. It's not pejorative, right? At ten thousand yep. dollars, it's a very different investment um, matrix than at a hundred thousand dollars. Correct. And I would actually double down on that statement and say it's harder to um, manage somebody who's invested ten or fifteen thousand dollars because if you if you just consider that everybody's investing the same percentage of their net worth, yeah. Yep. That if somebody is investing a hundred thousand dollars, then theoretically they have ten times more net worth than somebody who's investing ten thousand dollars, right? Yep. And I'm not making a value judgment who's better or worse. That's not the case here. But I'm just saying that in that case, that means if the person who's investing ten million dollars I mean, ten thousand has a net worth of a million dollars, which is, you know, good stuff, the person that puts in a hundred grand may have a ten million dollar net worth. And that would mean that the disappearance or the potential disappearance of that hundred thousand dollar investment is less likely to be kind of life-changing. Do you know yep. what I mean? Because their, their kid's college still gets paid for. It, it, it feels like it's the same level of risk, but in reality it's not. And I'm always curious around how that works, right? Um, it, 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 I think one of the things I can really see in angel, and I think this is why it's called angels, right? Because angels aren't real, right? <laughs> yeah. angels, angels are like pixies, right? They don't exist, yet we call it angel. And I think the reality is angels are make-believe. And it takes a bit of make-believe on both sides because one of the best bits of uh, kind of angel wisdom I got was this. Somebody said to me, uh, he said to me, look, here's the reality. No one rocks up and says to an angel investor and says, hey, I have a really crap idea. Do you want to invest? Right. It's not a thing, right? right. Well, and then and no, no angel investor ever was like, this is terrible. Where do Correct. I put my money? Yet, as we know, eight or nine out of ten fail. So – we are dancing in the world of make-believe, but that actually is the amazing attraction about it because we know Apple isn't going to go up 10 times. We know it's a great stock, but we know the value's baked in. And I think it's what we're actually talking about, the 10,000, the 100,000, almost the 10,000 people, because the 100,000 people I would like to assume they know what they're doing, i.e., look, this is high risk. If you want your 5%, 8% yield or you want to get a good stock, absolutely. The $10,000 guys, if you if you get somebody who's made one $10,000 investment in one startup, they're hoping beyond hope that this is a 50x or 100x, right? right. And whereas I would – it would you would get much more reality from a guy who's done $10,000, $100,000 investments. So I think that's the thing about Angel. It's emotional. Honestly, the fun I've had from it, the people – I have met from it, and sitting at Bamboo today, having been an angel, and now working with angels, what I learned was communication, was to, you know, everybody everybody wants the journey. So when somebody puts, when an angel, if there are any founders listening to this, and I'm a founder now, and I'm, I'm learning and everything, if somebody, an angel gives you money, make the journey as great as you can. Show them when it's exciting, be honest when it's not, because the worst thing you can do to a angel investor is take their money and lose it, and they didn't get an adventure and a journey along the way. Yeah, the best exactly. thing you can do is make them money, of course. But if they lose it and there was no adventure, no journey, no communication, it was just 10 in, then a zero, I think you've, you've done a bad job, not because you lost their money, but that's what angel is. It's an adventure, and people should have that. Yeah, and so what do you think? Because this is really interesting to me too. 
I actually think that making your first angel investment, even your second, should be small, no matter how much money you yep. have. Yep. Right. So it's like again, it's like a, it's like anting up at a poker table the first time you play. You're not dropping down like all the big chips. You just want to drop down one just to see how the cards get dealt and how like the rest of the people are playing. And that could just be ten thousand just to be, just to kind of get that feeling. And I guess that's the other thing I really want to talk about is. What does it feel like when you write that check? We say writing a check, no one writes a check anymore, right? But when you transfer that money into somebody else's account and you could just write it off, you know it. Your family's looking at you like, Dad, really? I just can't believe you just gave away $50,000. Like, you know, I, I can buy a lot of slime for that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? I mean, 100%. I mean, how does it feel? How does it feel? What is that feeling like? Yeah, I'll tell you. But also to your point, you talked about poker. Again, let's not get into that because I'm almost as passionate about that as Iron Man. But there's a saying at the poker table. If in the first half an hour you can't spot the fool, you are the fool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I saw rounders, I, yeah. I love it. And I think in angel investment, you must start small because you don't know if you don't you're know. the fool. You don't know what you don't know in angel. You know, angels are three things. The three Fs, right? Friends, families, and fools. Friends because they're your friends. Families because they're and fools because... In general, angel investment doesn't work out, but when it does, it's amazing. Right. So start small. How does it feel when you first write that check? So my first check that I wrote, which was for the triathlon magazine, which I kind of knew I shouldn't have, probably didn't feel as good as when I wrote the check to Nex. Because here's the other thing. Uh, we did it on a handshake. You know, I put a small amount, and I backed a 21-year-old kid. And the excitement he got from that, and honestly, like, it was so cool. It's like, oh, oh, my God, I've done something, you know? And I, for me, I want to back exciting people. I want to back people who are in it for the adventure. The problem is the utility value of that excitement really decreases quickly. He gets on with his life. He builds a company. You go on with your life. You go home. It's dinner with the family. You go back to work the next day. Tick, 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 tick. The, again, coming back to the adventure, the, when you write the check personally, it makes me, I really enjoyed that experience because you're giving somebody your belief. And it's rare. You're giving them, you know, Warren Buffett's thing. You know, how do you characterize a decision when someone writes you a check? Everything else is a no. When yeah. you do that and when some, you show somebody that belief, honestly, it's one of the funnest things about Angel. Now, I haven't yet experienced the other side, and I hope I do. When he writes me a check back, which is bigger, I hope he feels as good as I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think do you think other people should start doing this people that are fully employed people that are investing in you know what i call the listed markets right because i don't have a better sure. word for them but do you think in other words if your uncle was talking to you or if your brother was talking to you would you say you know you shouldn't probably take ten thousand dollars and put it into this thing and i want to go back to this for a second because you know we talked about people that can allocate 10 grand or 100 grand and just kind of separating them into two categories. I think the reality is that nobody dives into a pool without seeing what the water feels like first, right? And yep. I don't think that makes you, you know, a coward or, or fearful. It just means you're just smart, right? And that's why I think even if you put 10 grand and it turns into a thousand X, you still learn something and it teaches you how to invest in other things. But I do think your first one should be small. But do you, do you encourage? people that you know you're out to dinner with your friends you're in your iron man group do you talk to them and say hey you know what i started this angel investing thing it's changed the way i've looked at stuff or do you think this is just like a short-term trendy thing to do and it's going to disappear like beanie babies uh 
I I don't recommend people to do it unless they're the right type of people. And I can spot them. Not I can spot them, but you can spot them really quickly. So, no, it's not something that I tell people to do because, you know, the reality is most of them don't work. And, you know, obviously I run a startup now and luckily it's going great. And we've moved past that kind of seed and angel where we're now on series A stage. So, and again, it doesn't mean we're definitely going to succeed, but we absolutely have the momentum. But I think for most people – you can spot. It's the people who have that ability. You know, if somebody wants a yield and a return and a safe place, no, absolutely not. You've got to want two things. A, the adventure, the emotion, the journey. If you just want safe money, you want to watch your money tick up, absolutely not. Right. Um, absolutely not. But secondly, you know, you can see the glint in some people's eye, right? The glint in their eye oh, I met this guy the other day. It was so exciting. They're doing this. If it's something they're super passionate about, which isn't always the right way. So to answer your question simply, would I go around recommending people that angel investing is, a, is something they should do? No, not because I don't think it's a bad thing, but it takes a unique type of person to be to be involved with it. Right. But so I guess in reverse, the better question may be if someone comes to you and says, you know, Ned, I'm really thinking about making an angel investment. You don't say no to that, right? I mean, I guess oh, you do. Shit. I guess you yeah. do judge their personality and stuff, right? But you would encourage them to just keep going and do the work, right? Hundred percent. So if somebody comes up and says, "I want to do angel investment," hundred percent, I'll tell them what I've learned, what not to do, what to do. And again, I don't know everything, but the bit I've learned. But if somebody's already thinking about it, absolutely, they should do it. And but you're right. Keep it small. Do it. Don't hide it in the drawer when it goes bad. Keep involved. Be clear. Tell them what you want. And I would say to anybody listening out there about Angel, when you get involved, tell the person, tell the founder what you want. Do you want to speak every week? Do you want the story? Do you want the adventure? Do you want – so, for example, like our bag company. Like I'm not as fussed by it, but one of our investors you know, wants to get a bag and test it out and be part of it. And <laughs> right. So be really clear. You know you know this idea – like me and my, Michael, me and you both worked in finance. We all know guys who – chipped $50,000 into somebody's bar, right? Yeah. Now, they did that so they could sit at the bar and drink for free. Well, now, also also so they could say, like, yeah, I'm an owner of Wall Street or whatever. Totally, totally. And so, But, you know, funny kind of way, that was Angel. They kind of knew what the trade was. The bar yeah. would probably fail. Yeah. But they could say, I own a bar, I drink for free, come to my bar. And for 50 grand, hey, not a bad deal, maybe. Not right? worth it, yep. But so I think if you go in as an Angel, I would say, really? Because if you just want a return on your money, got to be better ways to do it right well there yeah i mean you can definitely make smaller more sort of assured returns but there's totally. nothing i mean if you really want to go big you should buy an nba team in my mind right or an, an nfl <laughs> team if you're american but but i just i actually think there's a paradigm change taking place right now and i think in the same way that and you know this really well because you watch this happen too right in the same way that sort of in the 90s <clears throat> hedge funds kind of moved from what were actually called alternative investment vehicles into just mainstream investment vehicles and everybody kind of had one. I think the same thing is starting to happen in the non-listed and even angel investment sector. And I think you're going to see a lot more entry in there. You're already seeing it sort of in the Western world, in the United States and in Europe for sure. And I think we're seeing a sort of secular change happening out here as well, which is one of the reasons why I just want to keep talking about it. Um, and I'm wondering, like, I can tell you too, but I, I want, I'm curious what you've learned. So if I had to say to you, like, top three things or just a few things that you've learned in your investments, and maybe if you could apply them to a particular company um, 
That would be great because I can tell you a couple of mine when you're done just so you know we can share stories. But I think it's really important for people to understand what you've learned over time. And I think you've probably learned different things at different stages. So what you learned from the first one is really different than what you learned from the third one. And I can tell you that stuff too. Yeah, no, absolutely. But to your point, Michael, I do think startups or angels are a genuine asset class now. I think, as you say, we were hedge fund guys. You saw the hedge funds change. It is a genuine asset class. It does give you the ability to do 10x, 50x, 100x, obviously 0x on the downside. Yep. If, you, if you want to make that home run, this is where it's at. And I absolutely think there's a fundamental – I mean, I live in Singapore, which is in general a relatively risk-averse society. Right. The amount of people who ask about angel, way higher. The amount of startups, way higher. The amount of support, way higher. So without doubt, it is a growing asset class. And in terms of what I've learned, top three, if we would put it that way, uh, number one, only invest in founders that you love before you put your money in. Because if you don't love them, you'll hate them by the time your money's in. That's actually if, a super great point. You know, if you don't love the founder, don't invest, no matter how good it is. Because if it's Angel, you know, you don't, you know, if you, if you think, oh, I'm not sure about this guy, don't put your money in. It won't be cool after. So you've got to. And I think that for the founder, too. Take money from great people you really get on with, super important. Um, the second one, I think, you, to steal a little bit of your point, Michael, is you know don't stick everything in one. You know this really, uh, you know, start small, grow it, and see how that goes. And number three, there is a direct correlation between the amount of effort, love, emotion, support you show to the founder and your likelihood of success. Don't think this this is not like buying Apple stock and leaving it because you know we act. Realistically, no one's going to buy enough iPhones to change you know, the, the, the share price of Apple. But if your founder is doing a Kickstarter, you share it on Facebook. If your founder is doing something, you share it. You, you, you be their support. You be that person. Because if you're, if you're an angel and you don't share on Facebook what your people do, you're letting them down. Yeah, I mean, you wear their T-shirt, basically. <laughs> and, you know, look, I run Bamboo now. That's what I do, right? That's, that's absolutely everything I am, and I do have these other ones. But if one of my guys is doing something, I'm sure I'll share it and say, look, yep. this is there. You, nobody's, you, no one's too busy to, to, to help. So they would be the three. You know, make sure people you love do it with money that you can afford to lose. Because, and let me tell you, when you win, and uh, it will be the best feeling ever. And number three, there's a direct correlation between your effort and their success. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And I guess a couple of things I would add to that, right? I really like this concept of if you don't like the founder beforehand, you're definitely not going to like them afterwards because they're yep. going to be able to, I mean, for so many different reasons, but not the least of which is they will be able to allocate a ton of time to you during the fundraising process if they are actively fundraising. Um, and after that, they're really just going to be nose to the grindstone and getting stuff done. And, and you're right. You should agree with them beforehand what sort of interaction you're going to have with them. Is it weekly? Is it biweekly? Is it monthly? Are you going to have published reports or is it just going to be sort of anecdotal things that you talk about every time you meet? Yep. Um, and I do think that's a two-way street too because inevitably, and I think every company, whether it's Airbnb, whether it's Uber, you know, whether it's Stripe, any of these companies, they're always bumps in the road that were unanticipated. That's why they're bumps in the road. And when things get really hard, like you said, you just better be in love with this person because they're not going to have time for you. They're going to get frustrated. You're going to get frustrated. Now that your money's tied up in it, like all the emotions get a little bit um, exaggerated. Yep. So, sure. ma so make sure. And even like you said, even if it's a, you have this gut instinct, right? I really like Lisa. I'm going to give her the 50 grand. You better make sure that that gut instinct about liking her is probably more important than liking the company, right? Because you want to support the, the founders. Yeah. 
Sure. Um, and the other thing is really, and I say this all the time and I said it earlier, but I want to be like emphatic about this. I always like to look at what the management is paying themselves. Right. So <laughs> and I'll give you a comment, right. From one of the companies that I did invest in and I lost all my money and they said, look, I'm taking all the risk <laughs> and I should get paid what I'm, what I was getting paid at my expat job before. Well, yeah, I know. And, um, and if this fails, I'm just going to go back in and take another expatriate job. And you just learn later. I mean, and I didn't know that at the beginning, right? So, and I would obviously never do that again. But that sort of mentality of I'm, I'm taking all the risk. You're just putting in money. And that money doesn't mean anything to you. You just have to be really careful about these types of situations where management is paying themselves more than they're paying the rest of their staff, right? Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I really, really really couldn't agree more you know and, and there's all different circumstances and all different ways of doing it sure and we could have a whole that maybe we should catch up at some point mark and have a full you know we could debate on this but you're right you know it the, if somebody is using and of course people need to get paid and live but if somebody is paying themselves an expatriate job wage and they're taking the own the share of the company it doesn't make sense no it doesn't make sense and and so one of the other things that i would say even early on if you're an angel investor just to be careful of is how much not how much money per se but how much ownership do the founders have and how much do they expect to maintain in their next round of financing yep. you really want to keep that over 50% closer to 60% for me uh, and in the earlier stages, you know, 75 to 80%, because you want to make sure that they're really committed to this and that this matters to them. I mean, you know this from your side as the owner and the CEO of Bamboo. Like, you, you're so committed to it. You want some of the upside opportunity. You don't want to give that away to people. Oh, yeah. Look, and, uh, uh, you know, coming to it, you know, so I, I was lucky. I had an expatriate job. I, you know, I was CEO of E-Trade. We got paid super well. And, uh, you know, uh, right now, as I said to my wife, because my wife sometimes says, you know, you know, it's not cheap to live in Singapore, all this type of stuff, you know. And uh, I said, you know, this is the most fun I've ever had without getting paid. And it's a binary outcome, right? Like, I absolutely love Bamboo right now. And, of course, it's momentum-based. And, yes, I own the majority of the firm. And, you know, if this works, this will be fantastic, you know. And if it doesn't, which I hope is not the case, then I can go back and maybe an expatriate job or whatever. But you have to be – and you know what? If I didn't own any of this and I was – would I be as excited – Probably not. And it, it's so clear to me. It's so binary. It's You've got to put every last bit into it. And, you know, it's lucky when the momentum works. It's amazing, right? That that really is it. And you're right. That's, you know, the founder has to have the skin. It's all the cliche. Skin in the game. You know, not doing it for pay or anything else. Of course, they're doing it for an end value. Sure, That's, sure. They're building the company. And, uh yeah, I mean, it's. I'm kind of uh, with Nex. I, I, because I, he's been at it five or six years, but they're starting to get to a real stage that somebody might take him out, and it's pretty real. And you know, and he's having great momentum, and we at Bamboo are having great momentum, and it, it's quite fun. Was his investor? Now we're kind of both founders, and we kind of call each other up. Oh, I got another client. This was exciting, and you know, and then I'm like, yes, but I'm still your founder. You work hard, and yeah, exactly. I'm still your investor. You work hard too, and uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I've been all my effort at Bamboo right now, and he's, you know, he's been doing it six years, but. Look, angel investment is, it's an amazing, I, I, so far, I've had the best time. Have, have any of my firms exited? Not yet. Is one about to? Yes. Do I expect most of them, you know, a few of them not to exit? Absolutely. Sure. But I've learned a tremendous amount and I, I, you know, I wouldn't recommend to people who, who have not got the right mindset, but, but, but for people who are interested, Talk to other people, learn, start small, get involved, and it's it's an amazing journey. Yeah, and I want to I want to ask you one more question and finish on this, right? 
I think that there's a there's this human emotion of fear that is almost as closely related to success as it is to failure. Sure. But do you know what I mean? It's hard to put it into words, but that feeling of, oh my, because it goes both ways, right? It's like, oh my God, that thing's going to fail. What am I going to do? And then there's the reverse feeling of, oh my God, that's going to succeed. Now what do I do? It's just strange. Yeah. And I, you have that in the angel because you know, this type of investing does end up being slightly binary and you just have both of those emotions, right? Where you watch one of your companies just sort of die on the vine and then you watch the others and you're just thinking, I can't believe like that there are 2,500 people in that company today. <laughs> I just can't I, believe it. I, 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 was, I was literally in the office of a company that I invested in in 2013 and in 2012 and I hadn't been in their office in two years and they moved a few years ago to a new office and I walked in to have a conversation with the CEO and the COO and there were like 700, 250 people on the floor and I asked them how many people were in the company and they were like 2,000 and I just thought, what? oh my God. You know, it, it is, you know, FOMO is something, you know, which drives investment. And, you know, we've all have our stories. We've all missed one. We've all hit, well, you know, we're all, we're all getting there. And I can see it from bamboo now. I, you know, we, we're lucky to have traction. And I think a lot of investors who are calling us now, they're hearing, yeah, bamboo's going. It's starting to move, right? right. And it's, the same with, it's the same with the angel world, right? If no one else is talking about it, it's really hard. You know, we're not programmed to run against the herd. No, we're not programmed to do it. But when the herd's running, everybody wants to join. But if there's no herd, it's really hard to run off into the savannah by yourself, right? It is. Nobody <laughs> wants to do that either. And that's why I asked you earlier, do you invest <laughs> alone or do you want to have that community around you? And that's kind of what we want to do, right? Is we want to talk about the angel investment sort of episodes because we think there are people out there that are considered doing it or there are people that are out there that are doing it and they are operating alone. And I think they want to feel like there are other people doing the same things and learn from you know, what you've done, what I've done, what other people yep. like we are have done. And I think that that's actually really important. Absolutely. Look, and these startups need it. Uh, I couldn't, you know, to the bright, to the person who's interested, as you say, community, go to events. The simplest way, if you want to find out and talk to startups, go to a startup event with an investor badge on. You, you, if you can come out of there without being pitched 50 times, you've done a good job. Yeah, exactly. I'll invest in you. Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. your, and your invisibility shield exactly that would be amazing okay. okay let's end on that Ned look I really want to thank you again for your time I know you're super busy and I kind of get the feeling that this phone call like I'm, I feel like I have to watch the news now again just because of what was going on the last time we talked <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll look we'll keep you updated we're going to keep uh, doing everything we can it, we send out a monthly newsletter and uh, what I, the late uh, our marketing manager sends it out I'm like we don't in the newsletter. We don't talk about what we're going to do. We don't talk about, you know, ideas. We tell people what we've done. And so every month we have to have news. And there was one month we hadn't done anything, right. and we were sitting there like, oh my god, we have nothing to tell people. How terrible is that? Yeah. And it's almost as mandate. So yes, we'll try and keep you up to date on the news, and then we'll let you know uh, as soon as uh, new things happen. Okay. Look, thank you again so much for your time. This is like the inaugural version of ATP Angels. I really want to thank you for stepping up and doing it with us. I don't. I feel like this is not the last time we're going to talk. And also, congratulations again for that news you announced at the end of August and beginning of September. Um, I think this is the beginning of a really long journey for you. So, Ned Phillips, thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, happy to talk anytime. Cheers. Thanks. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at www.asiatechpodcast.com.